Michael Ray. No. Sign of the Times. Definitely not. The Batman soundtrack. Oh, Star Wars is it? Uh, no. Same coming. I like it. Ah. Sade. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Goat or Go, a comprehensive and slightly opinionated look at Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. This is some goddamn music. I'm your host, Wendy K. Let's jump into it. So today we are going on a trip, folks. We are listening to spot number 490, and that includes Linda Ronstadt's Heart Like a Wheel from 1975. The returning album, ZZ Top's Trace Ombres from 1973, and Gang of Four Entertainment from 1979. So, Linda Ronset's Heart Like a Wheel from 1975 is also number 164 in 2003. But she also has another album, which is a compilation album, which is the very best of Linda Ronstadt which is number 164 in 2012 and number 324 in 2003. So we're going places, folks. Here's what Rolling Stone had to say about Linda Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt completed her transition from California hippie folk darling to soft rock queen on her chart-chopping fifth album covering Hank Williams, Buddy Holly, Little Feet, and Kate and Anna McBriggle on the glorious title track. Her version of the Betty Everett oldie, You're No Good, hits a perfect mix of desire and paranoia. Along with being a showcase for Ronsat's peerless versatility, Heart Like a Wheel is 70s pop rock craft at its sweetest and sturdiest. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I kind of want to say my first impressions of this album is it's kind of a mess, but not in the worst way possible, okay? So, I really didn't know who Linda Ronstadt was, and if you asked me what her sound was, I would say that she is very much deeply inspired by country music. And turns out, come to find out, that she and Dolly Parton and Emmy Lou Harris worked together to form Trio. So, I haven't listened to Trio, and I know of Dolly Parton's work, and I've heard of Emmy. Lou Harris. So I'm looking forward to their work at some point in the future, if Rolling Stone actually has them, and if not, that's a shame. But (laughs) my perception of Linda Ronstadt was wrong. I'll just say that. So first I had to be introduced to Linda Ronstadt. Personally, yeah, the song You're No Good is a fun, jazzy, funky number that she sings. I love this song and the way she sings it. This is probably a good cover. I haven't actually listened to the original. You know, she makes it and turns it into a fun song. Part of the instrumentation for a minute, just for a hot, hot second near the end, has the same, like, guitar or has that same instrumentational flow as, um, Grease is the Word. Um, like for a second, my musical theater ears perked up and I'm like, oh, Grease! <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of Grease as a musical. It feels so weird. But it was really funny that it felt like I clocked that moment. I was like, hey, wait a second. I was like a sleeper cell that woke up. This album feels like it goes all over the place in terms of like 
who Linda Ronstadt covers and what her original songs sound like. And for the most part, a lot of the songs that I tended to kind of sway myself to and the ones that I sort of related to are actually covers of songs. So when will I be loved? And I can't help it if I'm still in love with you. They're all covers. And those are the ones that I think like they do a really good job showcasing her vocal talents. I think she sings really well. The backing band is really letting her shine. And I think that's really great. But if the biggest songs that I'm hearing are the ones that are covers that kind of, it kind of makes me feel weird. It like, you know, it kind of makes me question you as an artist because, you know, cover songs are really hard because the thing about it is it's like you are just thinking about like, if it's successful, then you can make it your own. And you know, maybe that version will be the one that everyone remembers. Like, everyone knows Jimi Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower. And we all kind of forget Bob Dylan's version. That song is like the penultimate cover as the artist intended, you know. And I'm not sure if Linda Ronstadt is able to get to that point in her cover of both of these songs. Like, she definitely has a style to her that I think I can understand why she would want to work with Emmylou Harris and also with Dolly Parton, you know, very big female country stars. Because her singing and the songs she sings have a very country focus to them, you know? And she sings country beautifully. So I wonder, when I get to the very best of Linda Ronstadt, how much country is going to be in this album? You know, this transition of styles, when I covered Bonnie Raitt and her transition from Give It Up to Nick of Time was so jarring, like, and also not having listened to any albums in between those times where, like, her second album compared to her 10th album, you know, not being able to see that progression or understanding why that transition happened. So I'm interested, actually, to listening to... Linda Ronstadt, because as Rolling Stone has pointed out, if she started off as a California hippie folk darling, you know, going from California to the Midwest in terms of your tone and in terms of your sound and what you're singing about, those are very different things. But I think the folk artistry works really well for country. I mean, Dolly Parton is a folk singer, but I don't have a problem with her putting out songs like I Will Always Love You, which then becomes like one of the biggest hits ever in her career, as covered by Whitney Houston. I'm definitely interested in keeping up with Linda Ronstadt, and I want to know where the progression of her as an artist goes. But yeah, this this album is... It's okay. I don't know if I'll necessarily come back to it again. But I will say, like, the one song that I would take away from it is You're No Good. If I had to pick which song I would want to come back to, I would say You're No Good or The Dark End of the Street. The Dark End of the Street is also a really fun song, especially the guitar work. That guitar work's really fun. <laughs> so from Linda Ronstadt, we moved to ZZ Top and Trace Ombres from 1973. And I've covered these guys. Here's what Rolling Stone had to say about Trace Ombres. 
A decade before the Texas Blues trio became MTV stars, ZZ Top got their first taste of national fame with this disc, which features one of their biggest hits, the John Lee Hooker-style boogie LaGrange, as well as the boozy rocker Jesus Just Left Chicago, and the concert anthem Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. So this was another revisit album for me. If you want to go back to my commentary about the first time that I listened to this album, that was for 498. So going back and revisiting this album, this one didn't really grow on me. It pretty much stayed the same. I still stand by the fact that LaGrange is still their most well-known song and probably the best song on that album. Everything else is just like, it's okay. I will say I noticed there was a, in a smooth transition for Waiting for the Bus and Jesus Left Chicago. Like, those songs work really well back-to-back -back with each other because they include them twice on the reissued version with the live concerts. Again, I can't imagine actually going to one of their concerts. I'm sure it's a great time, but I can't imagine listening to hours of their music. I will say, upon re-listen of this album, one song that stood out to me is Hot Blue and Righteous. It's not a good song. I can't quite put a pin on it. It just, it doesn't rub me the right way as the rest of the album. I wanted to give them another try. They tried. That don't impress me much. For greatest of all time, again, I don't, I don't think ZZ Top and Trace Ombres is. And I know that I'm gonna have to talk about Eliminator at some point, so we'll get there eventually. But for now, just know, for the record, I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to ZZ Top again. We'll see. You know, they have another album to convince me that their career is going somewhere and it's somewhere interesting, so we'll see. But finally, we have to talk about Gang of Four and Entertainment from 1979. And I have to say entertainment like that because there's an exclamation point, which makes it even more exciting. So Entertainment is also at number 273 in 2020 and 483 in 2012. Very soon again. It's gonna be a time. So here's what Rolling Stone had to say about Gang of Four and entertainment. Formed in 1977, Gang of Four combined Marxist politics with punk rock. They played staccato, guitar-driven funk, and this stiff, jerky aggression of songs such as Damaged Goods and I Found This Essence Rare. Inventing a new style that influenced bands from the Minutemen to LCD Sound System. As soon as I heard these guys, I was like, aha, it's the return of the British punks. They're back, baby. Punk music has struck again. And I was actually kind of looking forward to punk coming back again because, you know, I've had good and bad experiences with punk music. Punk and, I guess, grunge. Anything having to do with anarchy. I will say off the bat that if, if you're a listener of this show, um, you will know that I always have a hard time when it comes to albums that have a really strong opening. Like, the way that an album introduces the band to a listener for the first time, I think is really crucial. You know, it's my first impression of you. What can I make of you? What am I supposed to take away from your first song? Like, what kind of ride am I going on? You know? But, as some listeners will know, I am a stickler for sticking the landing of your album. I think the ending is just as important as the beginning. You know, the last song and the first song, it's like an audition or it's like an interview. You know, 
whatever your attitude is and the way that you present yourself to me, someone who's unfamiliar with your work, I think it's so important for you to stick the landing because, you know, my impression of you as an artist is going to carry with me. Like, that's the thing I'm, I'm going to think about the most often. I'm going to think about if there's singles off this album, great, but otherwise, like, that ending needs to be so rock solid. And congratulations, Gang of Four and Entertainment. I think you guys nailed this ending. The beginning and end really complement each other in the style that the band members are singing, where it's like, where they're kind of playing off of each other and having a duality going on. It's not a duet, though. To be clear, it is not a duet. Both of the singers in both of the songs get to have their moments in the spotlight. And I think that really works well, considering the content of what the singers are singing about, especially in the first song, which is Ether. And the last song on the album is Anthrax. If you look up the lyrics of Ether, which I highly recommend doing, and especially when you're listening along, do what I didn't do, which is look up the lyrics to this song, because I decided that I was going to look up the lyrics after I listened to the song, and um, this song is real fucking heavy, especially when it comes to the politics of England and Ireland as a country. I'm not going to go into a subject that I barely know anything about. I'm a- I am aware of the tensions within the United Kingdom, especially when it comes to Ireland and the politics around the IRA. And this album, and I think either, I think presents both sides of the conflict very interestingly. As removed as I am, especially from that news, from that history, and from that culture, I don't want to, I don't want to make assumptions about anything. I know it's a very delicate situation, but I will say that I really like it. I really like Ether, and I really like Love like Anthrax in the way that they present the album. And I think that if this album, and if I wanted to really sit down and look at the lyrics and familiarize myself a little bit more about the history of the band and what they're singing about and the conflict that they're singing about, I think that would be a very important part about my education into this, the, into this music because we're all here to learn things, you know? And I recognize and I understand that history, especially when it comes to an album like this, is very, very, very important. The politics of even back in 1979, when this album first came out, we're still dealing with the fallout of political decisions even 20 years, 30 years, 40 years later. And I think it's important that the, that an album like this kind of introduces what that viewpoint was back in the day. And also, you know, I think this album is a really good time capsule of that time. The band and their sound, I can see it being very influential to two bands in particular. And I'm not sure if they were inspired by these guys or they were developing their sound around the same time as these guys. Especially the first one, which is the Ramones. They got as American punk as you fucking get sometimes. These are grandfathered punks, in my mind. So I wonder if Gang of Four and the Ramones were work-releasing music around the same time as each other, or if one was being inspired by the other. 
The other band that I really think is inspired by Gang of Four is surprisingly, yet unsurprisingly, is the White Stripes. Especially the lead singer of Gang of Four really reminds me of Jack White. Now, I don't necessarily think that the material that Gang of Four talks about and sings about is very similar to what the White Stripes are singing about, but I would say that the instrumentation and the vocal style very similar to the White Stripes. So, I know I talked about the beginning and the end of the album, and I kind of didn't really cover all that much in the middle. They, they didn't really leave a lasting mark with me, personally, but I think I was just more impressed by what the beginning and the end of the album did, which was like, it told a story, and it's a good time capsule of that time and, and the conflict that, that they're talking about. So, I appreciate Gang of Four for what they are. I could definitely see myself going back to this album at some point, and I am, I'm so thankful that I actually get to do that in the future. So, when it comes to the three albums that I have talked about so far, the album that I would say is the greatest of all time is Gang of Four Entertainment. I'm not sorry about ZZ Top. <laughs> I'm very interested to see the progression of Linda Ronstadt, especially as Linda Ronstadt country singer and country artist. So in comparison to the other greatest of all time albums that I have talked about, I would say that Gang of Four Entertainment is underneath Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and above MGMT's Ocular Spectacular. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, Remember to follow me on social media, and if you also want to look into more bonus content, I am, I will be developing stuff on Patreon at some point in the future. I'm working on it. But thank you so much for listening, and DJ, let's drop that track. Goat or Go is a podcast created and hosted by me, Wendy Kay. I also edit the podcast. Original artwork is by Paige A. Special thanks to the entire Rolling Stone magazine writing team. Without you, there wouldn't be this podcast. Follow the podcast on social media, Goat or Go Pod. If you want to support the show on Patreon, link is in the show notes. Thank you so much, music lovers. Keep on listening, and I'll see you next week.